0: session with Dr. Farid
1: Good evening and welcome to In Session. I'm your host Dr. Fadi Holakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in 310441. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call me with any questions related to clinical psychology. Including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on iTunes. Again, our studio number 310 4410555 Now most listeners will know that I start off Monday's show with a summary of the book of the week. But because I have a special guest, that will be pushed back one segment. So I'll be talking about the next uh, segment about the Book of the Week from this past week. But before uh, I go any further, let me introduce to you my guest tonight, who before the show we were talking about how to introduce her, but she really does not need any introduction because uh, she's been part of the Radio Hamra family since we started four and a half years ago. And she's also very much involved in the Persian media. And actually uh, something that she does, which is very interesting, is a lot of her shows... Are in English and Persian, which is great. Uh, and maybe later I'll share the story of how my first experience ever being on the radio was on her show several years ago, uh, before I had my own program. But let me, before I keep talking about it without introducing her, Susie Khatami, thank you for joining oh, me tonight.
0: Thank you, Farid John. It's always a pleasure seeing you and being on your show.
1: Thank you. Likewise. More yes. So. Actually, now you're saying being on my show. It's uh, it's nice that I got to be on your show a couple times many years ago. That then was now years I get to have ago. That's yes. right. Um, and the reason I'm having you on, other than just it being nice to see you, is people who listen to Radio Hamrov maybe heard the advertisement that we have. And this is, we believe it's the third year, at least the third year, we've been doing a toy drive mm-hmm. that Susie has been organizing for us that we get to be involved with. And the toy drive is for children at the Mattel Children's Hospital, which is here in Westwood, not even maybe a mile away from where we are right now recording exactly. at the Radio Hamra studios. And so you have been so gracious to set this up and coordinate this with them and to allow us to be part of this toy drive um, with you and with everyone. So maybe you can tell the listeners a bit about this toy drive Absolutely. so they know more about it.
0: Thank you, Farid John. first of all, for supporting my Uh, project every year uh, since I brought it up to you and being so kind and allowing me to be on the show and also Dr. uh, Holakui, your uh, father, who's always supportive of my projects and um, allowing me to do the ads and um, for people to hear about it and participate. Um, So I'm very thankful to all your listeners to begin with and to the Radio Hamra and all your colleagues as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But the fact is that, yes, I do this toy drive uh, for many, many years. And of course, with the help of Radio Hamra, with all these listeners you guys have, we managed to take a lot of toys to the hospital. And really the idea behind it is um, I want to make sure that people do understand and clarify the fact that they're just kids Mm -hmm. uh, who happen to be in the hospital Mm -hmm. due to their illnesses, mostly cancers, unfortunately, and it's not like they're, um, they're not um, able to afford toys or anything like that. It's just for us to show them that we're thinking of you, mm-hmm. especially during holidays where yeah. everyone really wants to be together with their family and loved ones. Mm-hmm. And hospitals do send most kids home if their illness allow them to do so, and mm-hmm. if they can um, you know, do the treatments at home. But in a lot of cases, they cannot send them home mm-hmm. and they have to be hospitalized during holidays or yeah. otherwise and it can be a sad time of course, yeah. so taking these uh, toys to the kids doesn't have to be expensive doesn't have to be fancy. It's just a thought. Mm-hmm. And it's just to tell them that we are thinking of you during this time and we love you. And I think love is the answer to a lot of things. I agree. Um, Absolutely. And um, I really do love to thank people for participating. Mm-hmm. And um, bringing new toys, however, is very important. Yes. Um, because toys um, are delivered to the kids and they're sick. And we cannot take any germs to the hospital to kids who are already ill and Mm -hmm. sick Mm -hmm. so it's very very crucial that the toys have to be new can't be leftover kid you know toys from the kids even if some parents think oh my kid only read this book twice Mm -hmm. or only played with his doll once um you know so it's almost like new but please do pay attention to that and bring new toys if Mm -hmm. you would kindly and also unwrapped, fashion, yes. because the hospital staff, once we deliver them, they need to know the, what these toys are, what is the age appropriate, then they would wrap it themselves mm-hmm. and give it to the kids. Right. So therefore, it's really no point wrapping them because mm-hmm. they need to open them up anyway. Right. So this is why we always say in the ad to make sure it's unwrapped, but it's new. So we do thank them in advance Mm -hmm. and thank you again for participating and allowing me to sit and talk with you about it. And I think the reason Farid does this for the listeners who don't know Farid as well as I happen to know him is because he's got a big heart and he does help with a lot of different organizations. And he has a big heart when it comes to children and kids, which is why him and I have that commonality (laughs) here. And we do understand each other. Well, thank and he you. allows me to come and talk.
1: I Yes, I allowed you to come and talk. I wanted you to promote the toy drive, not promote me. But thank you no, for your very kind fact words. <laughs> because
0: not very many people do want to have, you know, roll their sleeves up and help. And I don't blame people because mm-hmm. not all of us can help in every project. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own, you know, liking or whatever yeah. in projects that is closer to their heart. Uh, but some people who have the same love for the same projects can help each other Absolutely. easier yeah. without too much explanation. Sure. So I, with you, I feel that that yes. I didn't really need any explain, no. explanation yeah. <laughs> to you. I mean, you just the moment you heard about my toy drive, your arms were, okay, Susie, what can I do for you? I was, yes, so very happy that's to, what to get I involved.
1: Meant. Thank you. And I appreciate that. And I think, you know, I think everyone does want to help. And, that you know, it's something what you were saying. Everyone wants to help. We sometimes just don't do it. I, I don't think anyone's ever done something for someone else, done community service, donated their time, Mm -hmm. money, whatever it is, and then felt regret afterwards. Sometimes I say, you know, the road of love is paved with no regrets. Very seldom are you going to do something from a loving place and they go, I wish I never gave those kids toys (laughs) or I never wish I went and spent my time with these elderly people and gave them. So I think like a lot of things that are even good for us, Mm We have a hard time doing it. Everyone knows that exercise is good for them, but we don't do it as much as we well can. Said. Or everyone knows that even reading, something I, I've been doing more because of this show, is good for them, but they might not do it as much. So helping others is something that we won't regret. But yeah, sometimes we might not take the steps. And this is one way people can get involved um, to help children in who are in unfortunately a very bad situation, or at this time they're exactly. going through something and. Uh, like you said, kind of brighten up their day, hopefully, that someone they don't even know was thinking of them or wanted to send them love. I think that is a beautiful sentiment. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so amazing. We just went into the recording studio and saw all the toys that are already here. Yes, and I'd really like to
0: thank everyone, all the listeners who kindly brought so many toys already mm-hmm. that really brightened my time up yeah. when i came here mm-hmm. i had a big smile seeing all these lovely toys and um talking about bringing the toys uh, let us remind your listeners yes. that the de- the deadline mm-hmm. really rather for right. this year is december 18th so in other words on the 18th is the last day that listeners can bring the toys because we need to collect them mm-hmm. and then take them to the hospital and for them to have enough time to give to the kids. Right. Yes. So we decided December 18th. Mm-hmm. So if the listeners, please bring them by that day, we would really appreciate it. Yes.
1: So just over two weeks to go from now. Today's the third. So next, uh, tomorrow's right. Tuesday, two weeks from tomorrow. You can come to the studio. You can. We've asked, also had people mail there, which is, we know that obviously is, cost people a little bit more money but if you are not close enough Mm -hmm. to bring it yourself you can send it to us and let me give the address to the radio station i will say it maybe once or twice now on the air but it's also at radiohamra.com you can scroll to the bottom of the website and you'll see the uh, address for the office and studio here but it's 1762 westwood boulevard suite 330 los angeles california 90024 and again, if you couldn't jot that down, you can go to RadioHamra.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see the address there. Uh, but maybe a few more, just to reiterate the things you said. Sure. Unwrapped, unopened, and also the age range is could be anywhere from infants to Absolutely. 18 years of infants age, Infants right?
0: to 18, exactly. And for infants, they can also bring clothing if mm-hmm. they wish to do so, because mm-hmm. the hospital did allow me to... Mentioned that okay, also. Okay, great. Yes, yeah, so clothing, clothing for do, the yes.
1: babies, mm-hmm. uh, books also. You mentioned books?
0: Yes, anything, In, anything yeah. that good is good for kids. It's perfectly fine uh, as yeah. long as it's new and it's unwrapped.
1: Yeah, I think I saw some puzzles uh, already yes, there and exactly. some other kinds of toys. So yes. again, and very important. She mentioned. Unused, because these, you know, giving a gift to anyone unused, I think, is a good idea. but Especially (laughs) to children who are in the hospital who we know their immune systems could be compromised. They're fighting illnesses. We want to make sure we're not bringing any germs into their environment. And then unwrapped, because as Susie mentioned, uh, they want to be able to look through the toys, and they're going to figure out which toys should go to which child and need to know what it is. So if you spend your time wrapping it, unfortunately, it's going to get unwrapped before it even gets there. So please bring it unwrapped, unopened. I was just doing my show on Wednesday, uh-huh. and before I left the studio, someone was coming in. This very nice woman had brought some toys. And oh, was, it's just so sweet God to see them. people yes. that are coming. Again, I think it's very selfless giving to give to someone Absolutely. that you won't actually even get to see them receive it, but you're just sending that love forward to someone and
0: else. And trust me, you feel that love. Mm-hmm. I mean, every year when I come see all these toys and I take them to the hospital, I don't know who brought them. Mm-hmm. I feel the love. Yeah. And I'm so blessed that I can pass that love to the children at the Mattel Children's yes. Hospital. And that's what it really matters. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter that they don't see us or we don't see them. We know it gets delivered and we're all happy for them. Yeah. And um, like once I was listening to Dr. Holakui's show, your dad's mm-hmm. show, and someone was talking about being nice and, and then uh, for them to receive kindness back. And your dad was like, Oh, you don't have to be nice for them to be nice back at you. You just mm-hmm. be nice if you want to be nice. Yeah, And uh, that's what I really believe. That if we do something nice, it's not so much that they would be nice back at us. Yes. It's just that you believe to be kind and nice and pass the love. And that's all we need in this lifetime. Yeah. To just give love.
1: Absolutely. The intention is to give because giving is the, you feel it's the right thing to do, not for Absolutely. any consequence. Now, I can assure you that you will feel good. And I don't think you have to feel guilty about feeling good about sending love forward. And even, um, you know, we talk about the holidays and it's such a great time. And I think it encourages a lot of people to be more in the giving spirit, which is Mm -hmm. great. But I do hope that people carry that. It shouldn't just be a one or two month a year type of a thing that being in the giving spirit should be something we hopefully take with us going forward. And that's why to me, we hope you can join us in this toy drive. And so many people already have, and we're so grateful to them. But wherever you are in the world... Um, I hope you will do some kind of community service for your community and the people that you help, but also for yourself because exactly. even there's so much psychological data showing that it's good for you things for fighting depression and feeling good and feeling connected to your community, feeling good about yourself, so many things. So it is really one of those ultimate win wins where you help people and that's great, but then also it's going to help you as well. So I hope people will help us, but I hope they'll. Take that spirit going forward, not just for the holidays, and and carry it throughout. But throughout, throughout. Year. Yeah, yes, exactly, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, Fire John, thank you again for the opportunity. Sure. It's always a great, uh, you know, uh, excuse to come to your show and see you. Yes, but same thanks for me. again for supporting my ideas absolutely. and the toy drive project. And anytime I can be of any help with your great projects that you do continuously. Uh, I'm a phone call the way.
1: Sure, I appreciate that. I'll I'll definitely take you up on that. But we'll just, for the last time, uh, remind everyone. So this is the Radio Hamra, along with Suzy Khatami, uh, Mattel Children's Hospital Toy Drive. You can bring an unwrapped and unused toy all the way up till December 18th here to the Radio Hamra Studios at 1762 Westwood Boulevard, Suite 330, Los Angeles, California, 90024. Again, that address is at the bottom of our website at RadioHamra.com. And these toys, and could be clothes if it's for the babies or books, puzzles, whatever it is, are going to go to the hands of uh, some child who is going through a very difficult time and who, during the holiday season, would probably rather be anywhere but where they are, unfortunately, at that moment in the hospital. But we're trying to just brighten their day, even if it's a little bit. And we are so grateful to everyone who has gotten involved and who we know will continue to get involved as the gifts keep rolling in. So thank you to everyone out there who is listening. And again, Susie, thank you so much for thank being you, here. Thank you, Farajan. And, John, for and I'm very this. happy
0: to see you doing what you do and helping the community, helping your patient and who you have become. Oh thank you. Uh, so it's much. a pleasure knowing you. I'm honored to have a friend like oh, you, Fire I never forget the first day we sat in yes. my show and <laughs> I did the interview and you just started your uh, you know work way through and look at where you are uh, now thank you so much yes I'll so never thrilled. forget that
1: that was my first time ever on the radio I don't know if it was seven years ago eight years ago but on your show so I'll always be grateful to you for oh, that and the friendship pleasure. afterwards so my thank pleasure. you again for everything again that's Susie Khatami who has helped organize the Mattel Children's Hospital toy drive we're doing here at Radio Hamra again a big thanks to her and everyone out there Susie, again thank you
0: thank you so much have a wonderful evening
1: thank you you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fire Dalaqui I'll be back after the break Uh, again, a big thank you to Suzy Khatami who joined me in the first segment to talk about the Radio Hamra toy drive. Again, if you'd like to send your gifts, you have till December 18th to send it here to the studios, unwrapped and unused. Uh, so in a original packaging, and will it'll go into the hands of a well-deserving kid who is probably going through a hard holiday. So thank you for everyone who's been involved, and again, thank you to Suzy for organizing that with the Mattel Children's Hospital here in Westwood. Okay. So let's get to the book of the week uh, from this past week, but I'll announce the book of the week for this week before I begin. It is Sensation, the New Science of Physical Intelligence by Thalma Lobel. Sensation, the New Science of Physical Intelligence. I don't know much about it, just thought it'd be interesting to look at physical intelligence. I had a book before on visual intelligence, um, so thought this would be an interesting one. So look forward to reading this book and sharing it with you on next Monday's show. All right, the book of the week from this past week that I'll talk about tonight is The Improbability Principle by David J. Hand. The Improbability Principle, Why Coincidences, Miracles, and Rare Events Happen Every Day. And uh, David Hand is a professor of mathematics. So this book uh, had a lot of math in it, but not math that was in the way difficult to calculate or you had to really be good at math to read the book. But there was a lot of math looking at probability and different types of things. And although that might make it seem like a book on math would not be that related to psychology, um, I thought the book was very interesting because it showed ways that we as humans are bad at understanding things like probability or sometimes why something can seem like a miracle to us um, or such a rare event. But there's reasons why we're misunderstanding really what's going on. That we think, let's say, it's more rare than it is. And he shares different, what he calls, strands of the improbability principle. um, Things that contribute to this idea of why we sometimes think something is so improbable, when maybe when we actually look at it, we see that it's not so improbable, or there's reasons why we came to that conclusion. He also talks about um, specific ways that we're not that good at figuring out things like probability or even random what does random mean and one way uh, you can see this is for example if you ask people to generate random numbers so there are things called random number generators it'll give you like a string of numbers three four seven one two two three nine one whatever it might be and you can use that for different types of things if you want to get random numbers but when you ask people to produce a series of random numbers what they do is they actually do things like they don't repeat numbers almost ever, where they do it much more, uh, uh, less, much less than you would see from a real random number generator. Because we think, well, there shouldn't be two ones in a row, because that wouldn't be random. Whereas when you actually look at a string of random numbers there will be repeating numbers at times, even maybe three in a row at some point, depending on how many numbers you're looking at. So we have a hard time understanding things like random or probability, especially when numbers start to get big. Um, If something has a one in a million chance or a one in a billion chance, really for our practical purposes, that could seem like the same thing. And it almost makes sense. In one person's life, if something is one in a million or one in a billion, pretty much they can be certain, almost certain that neither one of those things will happen to them or they can feel pretty good about that. But then when we're looking at the world or if we're looking at things that happened a lot, these probabilities can change. Or the fact that one in a million and one in a billion is what, a, th- uh, a thousand times more? Uh, unlikely that something that's one in a billion will happen. That actually has a big effect, especially if we start multiplying it, let's say, depending on what we're trying to calculate or figure out. But we as humans... We can try to understand these things, but we're not so good at it. And even as he talks about, sometimes statisticians can be fooled by, um, different aspects of probability or chance. Cause sometimes it's more counterintuitive than we would think. It's not so simple for us to figure out. But looking at some of these, um, strands of the improbability principle, one of them is the law of truly large numbers. So sometimes we'll hear of a coincidence that just sounds crazy, like someone has won the lottery twice. And we think, how crazy is that, that someone wins the lottery twice when it's a 1 in 14 million chance or a 1 in 19 million chance that you win the lottery? How is it possible that someone has won the lottery two times, the same person? Uh, And this makes us think about things of like luck. We think that person must be a lucky person or God loves them, or they did something, or they had a uh, a lucky charm, or maybe they had a guardian angel looking down on them. We try to figure out ways to explain this thing that seems so improbable to us. And even uh, this is what can contribute to things like superstitions. And I'll talk about the law of large numbers in a second, but even he talks about how animals can become superstitious. And I've read about this research before that if animals are given food and it's given at, let's say, every two minutes and they don't really know why it's coming, they start to think that whatever they're doing at the time or around the time that the food came out was what caused it to happen. So they'll start doing some weird motions and movements because they think this is what's causing the, the food to be given to them. And they, they can create this type of superstition or what looks like a superstition. And we as humans do the same thing. The less we understand something or when we're not sure why something is happening, we can go to superstitions to try to alleviate this anxiety of uncertainty, of not knowing. Well, you know, if I just hold on to this lucky charm, nothing bad will happen to me. Or sports fans do this a lot. You know what? When I was sitting in that chair, the Lakers were winning by 10, and then I got up and moved to this chair, and now they're losing by four. I should go back to that chair I was in at the beginning of the game because somehow that affects the outcome. And... Even I've seen myself do these kinds of things when I get really into a game or I'm anxious about it, we have a lot of anxiety and uncertainty and a lack of control and we want to have some kind of control or understanding of what's going on or why it's happening and trying to have an impact, but really there isn't any connection to be made. So we're, we're very good at, and something that helps us survive is to try to figure out cause and effect relationships. But unfortunately we're so in a way good at it or we're so um, trying to figure things out that we see cause and effect relationships when they're not there so we try to think if someone won the lottery twice it must mean that person is lucky had some pattern or something was going on that made them win but really when we look at the law of large numbers there are so many lotteries happening in so many places so often that these types of things become inevitable after time. If something is one in a million, but it could happen to any of seven billion people in the world, well, then we can expect that it will happen to some people, or as he puts it in some places throughout the book, if it didn't happen, it would be surprising. If there are seven billion people in the world, and I tell you that something has a one in a billion chance of happening every day, well, then we'd expect almost like seven people to have that happen to them every day. So if it didn't happen to anyone in a week or a month, that would be the surprising thing, not that it actually happens to someone. So we see that people can misunderstand something being so rare when really maybe it's not the case because when we have the law of truly uh, large numbers, we see that when things are happening millions and billions of times, the crazy things that we think should never happen will happen and we should expect them to happen. He uses dice a lot um, as examples because they can be really good for probability. But so if you roll the dice and if it comes six, two times in a row, that's kind of rare. But for it to come six, six times in a row, that would seem really rare, 10 times in a row. But if you had people throwing dice hundreds of thousands of times or millions of times, we would expect to see these types of uh, crazy strings of numbers happen. And that's what we see. So you'll hear stories about uh, in some casino somewhere, someone rolled this number a bunch of times or didn't roll a seven in craps for a certain number of time. And it just seems like the person had luck or, you know, um, had something in their favor, but really it's just that these things are going to happen when you have enough numbers or enough things are happening. Uh, Enough events will have those things happen. Another issue is things like the law of the probability lever that he talks about. Sometimes we misunderstand the probabilities of certain things. So he talked about how uh, during some financial crashes, people thought that something that happened was one in, let's say, several hundred million or even one in 300 billion because the model they had to predict something was not quite right. So they thought they had the right mo- model or it was exactly accurate, but it turns out we're not so good at figuring out some of these things when they're uncertain. So if we use what is usually called the uh, normal distribution curve, Um, We tend to think things should go a certain way. But what he reiterates is that this law, uh, the normal distribution curve, it's an approximation. It's not exact. And lots of things don't follow this exact curve. So what we find is that if we think something is, let's say, 1 in a 1,000, but it turns out it's really 1 in a 100, which still might be unlikely, when we then multiply that a couple times or multiply it many times, the probabilities become huge. So the, the law of the probability lever is that sometimes small misunderstandings of how likely or unlikely something is can lead to huge misunderstandings down the line of how unlikely the event or the coincidences that happened were. And that's where we can sometimes have a mistake when we think, wow, that was a 1 in 300 billion chance when it turns out it's not that unlikely. You know, one example of this, of how we can misunderstand probability is if, when you ask people, how many people would you have to have in a room for there to be a greater than 50% chance that any two people in that room would have the same birthday? And most people tend to overestimate this a lot. Uh, Sometimes the first guesses people have is they say, okay, well, there's uh, 365 days in a year, or let's just say 366, including uh, February 29th, a leap year. And I guess, you know, some people could, of course, have that birthday. So I think, well, if we need 50%, then you need to have half that many people in the room. So let's say and what is it, eighty three people would have to be in the room. Then I would be confident or I would think it would be about 50% chance that two people in that room would have the same birthday. But when you actually realize that that's if you're just thinking anyone has the same birthday, let's say, as you, as one person in that room. Uh, you see that you're really exaggerating how many people need to be in the room. And he shows the calculations of the math, but you might be surprised to hear if you haven't heard about this before that 23 is the actual number. So if you have 23 people in a room, it's about a 51% chance that two people in that room will have the same birthday. And I'm looking at Amir here in the studio and I feel like he looks a little bit confused. And even when I was reading it, I felt the same way because it seems like it doesn't make sense. How is that possible? You would think you would need way more people in the room, but it's that's it. 23 people is all you need to have a just very slightly more than 50% chance. That two people in that room would have the same birthday. So this is why we can sometimes misunderstand that something isn't so unlikely as we might think. So you think, oh my gosh, two of us have the same birthday in this room. This is crazy. That's so unlikely. But then you see, okay, maybe it's not as unlikely because you didn't quite understand the math or you couldn't really quite figure out what it was. And that's something he shares throughout this book in a way Uh, making us see that things that we think are so unbelievable to have happened are really not that unbelievable, or it is more believable than you think. The odds of something happening are more than you would realize. Um, There's also something about the hindsight bias. Sometimes we look back at something and we think of things as such a coincidence, but really they're not. Or another law, he has the law of near enough. Sometimes we will say that oh, two things happened, what a coincidence, but they're not exactly the same things, but we'll say it's similar. Like one person won the lottery and they got six numbers right, and someone else got five numbers right, and they were cousins. We say, oh my gosh, it was like so unlikely, when really, yeah, those things make it so that it's not that unlikely that those things will happen, especially with how many lotteries there are, but it's the law of near enough. It's not quite the same thing, but we say that basically it's like two things happened that were exactly the same, two identical events. So I really enjoyed this book because um, David J Hand really explains the math in very clear ways. He shows why we can sometimes misunderstand uh, things about probability and chance and how likely things are to happen or not happen and how this can mislead us. And because of that, we start to draw conclusions like... Um, that maybe something was cheating or rigged or something was going on because we think that what happened was so unlikely that something else must have been going on, when it turns out maybe we're misunderstanding uh, the chance and the probability of that event happening. So I really enjoyed the book. It taught me a lot about different things related to probability, some of which I'd seen but presented in different ways. And so if you haven't read this book and you want to have a better understanding of of events and miracles coincidences and why they can seem to happen more than we would expect them to or you might expect them to check out this book the improbability principle why coincidences miracles and rare events happen every day by david j hand and again the book of the week for this week is sensation the new science of physical intelligence by thalma lobel all right, going into our last commercial break, studio number 310 You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dulaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. For this last segment, I wanted to talk about um, a not so pleasant topic to talk about, but something that all of us have gone through or will go through at some point in our life, and that is breakups, Um, going through that process of going, uh, ending a relationship, having to say goodbye to someone. And of course, there's lots of ways that we can experience loss of a person, death being the most extreme and can be difficult, and it's obviously its own way and it's more permanent. But breakups have a different type of pain that is definitely not easy to go through either. And so I wanted to talk about that in tonight's uh, final segment of the show. So the pain of a breakup, uh, it really, we use that word heartbreak and heartache, and it really can feel that way. You sometimes even will feel it in your chest. And of course, the heartbreak also comes from this notion of uh, love and the, the Love comes from the heart or we use heart as a symbol of love. And so it feels like that love is breaking and within you that love is breaking. But the pain of a breakup, although doesn't feel good, to me is all, it's not all a negative thing or a bad thing. And especially recently, I've talked a lot about this idea of sadness, not necessarily being bad, and we shouldn't look at it that way. And the sadness of a breakup is not necessarily bad, or we definitely should not avoid it, or look at it as something negative. Um, I've worked with a lot of people and also just in my personal life and seen the way they sometimes talk about breakups and especially men, because men tend to want to show off about not crying and not being emotional in that way. So I've heard friends or clients say, oh, you know, I broke up with my girlfriend or someone I was dating and, you know, I didn't even cry. And they, they say that as a sign of strength. Uh, or a sign of almost showing off. I didn't cry about the breakup. And somehow there's this almost notion that if someone is crying and the other person isn't crying, or if someone is more sad than the other person, kind of like the person who is less sad won, or the one who is more sad um, lost or is weaker or something like that. And I don't see that at all to be the case. Because a lot of times if someone is not sad after a breakup, there's two things that can be going on um that can contribute to that. One is they're hiding their feelings or avoiding their feelings. So they're really sad, but because they don't want to face their sad feelings, as many of us can avoid, or because feeling sad would make them feel weak, or especially as a man, maybe not masculine or not strong, they don't want to be sad. They don't want to even acknowledge it to themselves that they are sad. So they're avoiding or denying those feelings. And to me, that's not a sign of strength at all. If anything, that's more a sign of weakness to avoid your feelings means you're afraid of them rather than facing and embracing what's there. The other reason why someone might not feel sad after a considerably long breakup is that they didn't let themselves get close to the other person. They didn't let themselves feel Uh, connected to the person, fall in love with the other person. Again, not coming from a place of strength. This comes from a fear of intimacy, a fear of getting hurt. It's not coming from a strong place if you avoid letting yourself get close to someone that you are supposedly loving or trying to get close to or trying to create a relationship with. So for those two reasons, to me, just saying because someone didn't cry means they're stronger than the other person or they're kind of the winner. A lot of people look at everything in life and especially relationships as winning and losing. So you were the winner in this relationship if you got less sad than the other person or you're the loser uh, and they might feel that in more ways than one if you're sad about that. So will somebody feel like, well, if they're not crying, I shouldn't cry or I don't want to be the one that's crying or sad. But to me, if you're in a relationship with someone and you loved them, then It's healthy to be sad when the relationship ends. It makes sense for it to make you sad. It's not something you should feel bad about at all. And to avoid that is actually the much more harmful thing. And many people, almost all of us will avoid a lot of that pain because of how much it hurts and because of the ways we might feel like we would be judged or judge ourselves to feel that sadness, but we carry it with us forward to the next relationships or other aspects of our life it doesn't lead to a healthier outcome so yes it might not feel good but allowing ourselves to feel the pain of a breakup is much healthier than to avoid it or deny it now i will add this other point Uh, i know i talk a lot about sadness and maybe it can sound surprising to make it sound like such a good thing And I'm not saying, again, I want people to be sad or I want you to feel sad. I want you to feel the sadness that you have and not to avoid it or deny it. Uh, But we also don't want to say, well, if I'm crying so much, that also has to be good. And by this, I mean, um, if you went on two dates with someone and then you cry for six months over it, that more than likely means there's more going on than just the sadness you're experiencing about those that relationship, if you want to even call it that, ending. So we also want to take a look at our sadness and try to understand it. What am I sad about or what's going on? Uh, Not in a way of trying to judge it, but trying to understand what's there. Because as I just mentioned, sometimes it could be a sadness you're bringing from past losses that you haven't felt yet, whether it's breakups or pain from your relationship, even with your parents, because we know that romantic relationships, they bring up a lot of old feelings for us, Um, even I think it's no coincidence that you'll call your partner uh, things like babe or baby, or you'll do baby talk. You can go to a very childlike state with your partner in a way. It brings up a lot of those old types of feelings of being with your primary caregivers. And that's why uh, attachment, how you are attached to your parents, if it was secure or insecure, and the different types of insecure attachment can be very much related to how you will feel attached Securely or insecurely to your partner. So we know it brings up a lot of old feelings. So we want to understand what am I feeling? What is this sadness? Um, Sometimes there is a sadness that makes sense of having to say goodbye to someone. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of a breakup, especially because when you're in a relationship with someone, especially if it becomes very serious and you're in love. You are giving that person so much love and you're so connected to that person. And in kind of a cheesy, cliche way, you can say they kind of become your everything. And I don't literally mean that because uh, I want everyone to be their complete selves and have their lives. But they feel like they're your everything in that emotional sense. And what can be so devastating about a breakup is that the person goes from being your everything to your nothing. Sometimes just in that moment of the breakup. And that can be so painful. And that's why you can feel such a void that this person that was my love, my, my person that I was so connected to and meant so much to me and was such a big part of my life, all of a sudden is gone. And that emptiness, that, uh, darkness can be very intense. And that usually, and I think is the hardest part of a breakup is having to say goodbye to someone and. In my opinion, most of the time, it makes sense to try to cut the relationship as much as possible because it's very hard to get over someone when you're still connected to them and still talking to them or communicating with them, seeing them, hugging them, touching them, even having sex with them, which is very common after breakups. People uh, linger in each other's lives in in different ways. Um, But usually the healthiest thing is to cut the relationship if possible, altogether, but as much as possible. And that can be very difficult to have that person who was so much a part of your life to then be gone. It's very painful and hurtful. And that's why we talk about grieving that loss. So, uh, as I was mentioning at the beginning of the segment, that a breakup is different than death in the sense that a death, of course, is permanent in that way. And they are really gone, but in some ways there is that connection because you might have to grieve them in your life the person might still be alive and you know they're alive and hopefully you wish them well Um, but in your life or as far as your experience with them is done and so there is sometimes that grieving of the loss doesn't mean they will literally be out of your life forever but sometimes that can happen and sometimes that might be the best decision but uh, there is that grieving of the loss of that person in your life and that can feel very painful and that to me is a pain that is healthy if you're feeling that it's understandable that you're missing the person you're grieving that loss and you should allow yourself to feel that and to me just like a death and I sometimes will tell this to people because I think it's true whether it's a client or a friend or loved one that your sadness of the person being out of your life although it's sad there's something beautiful in that it reflects how special that person was to you how important they were how beautiful the love was that you had the relationship that you had that you now miss them Uh, you don't miss someone you don't really care about but of course if you really care about someone you love them you have memories and connections together when that gets torn apart it's going to hurt so there is something beautiful even if it is sad in that pain or that sadness that it shows the love that was there how good that person was and even how grateful you hopefully are to have had them in your life and that brings me to another aspect which is uh regret sometimes because people feel sad during or experiencing the breakup they can think well i wish i never what was the point of this or i regret it and i understand that to me kind of almost a reaction that we can have but i usually don't see it that way even in my own life but just in working with people that if you have loved and lost i think it's better From the Shakespeare quote, than to have never loved at all. Um, But I've never regretted, as I was saying with Susie in a different way, when giving love to people as far as acts of kindness goes, but giving my love to someone, or if you share your love with someone. I hope it's not something that people will regret. Of course, hopefully you choose a good person who um, is deserving of that love in the sense that they will cherish it and give it back to you and give you love as well. But hopefully, if that's the case, then. You don't give anything of yourself. You actually grow when you give love. You don't lose something. Love in that sense, as cheesy as it might sound, is kind of like a renewable resource. You don't run out of it. When you're giving love to someone, you can love again. Now, if you get hurt, it might take some time to feel like you can do that again. And it does take, uh, it's a wise act to wait some time before you get into something else, even though that might feel like the thing that will make you feel better the quickest, but that's not the best way to deal with things. Um, But it makes sense that you're hurting because of that. So um, we shouldn't regret, in my opinion, that you've loved someone. It was painful now that it's over, but that's how love is. Because it can be so great, it can also hurt so much. Something um, that's not that meaningful won't hurt you very much. It kind of reminds you of when people say, they can almost make it seem like that if someone gives you a compliment or says kind words, you should like that. But if they say mean things to you, you shouldn't care at all. And I don't think that's possible. If my friend tells me something nice and that feels good, and I do think we shouldn't feel too good or too bad, but to say that I like when they say something nice, it doesn't really make sense to say that if they say something mean, I don't feel anything. It's going to hurt, understandably so. And so in love, it's the same thing. It feels so good when we have it, but also can hurt so much when we lose it because of how great it is. So we have to accept that this is... One of the casualties of love is that heartbreak happens. Breakups happen. They're very hurtful. They're very painful. Some of the most intense pain probably of my own life, I think, has been related to breakups because they can be so intense and so much pain can come up as a result. But that never means to me, and I hope it doesn't for anyone, that we should give up on love because of that. We have to accept that because it can be this wonderful and maybe even the most beautiful thing you have in your life, It doesn't come without its consequences, without its risks, that that is something we have to accept, that it can hurt deeply when we lose a relationship and lose someone. But to me, that never means we should regret that we went through it. I'm a firm believer that we shouldn't live our lives based on just avoiding sadness. You know, even for example, helping people out. If you are to go visit kids in a hospital, it might make you sad to see kids in that state. But I hope you wouldn't avoid doing it because of that sadness, because you would feel that it's valuable, it's worth doing, even though it makes you sad afterwards, or even maybe there or whatever it might be. And similarly, when it comes to love and loving someone, um, I hope you don't live your life not wanting to love so deeply because it could hurt if it doesn't work out or if it ends. Uh, To me, if we live that way, then no one should have children because... Coming back to this idea of children being in the hospital, which is such a sad and hurtful thing to see and know happens, I think the saddest thing someone can go through is to lose a child. So we should never have a child because that opens us up to the risk of having the saddest thing happen to us. But of course, I think any parent will attest that they understand that's a risk, hopefully one they won't have to face and one they probably don't want to think about and don't need to. Um, But they'll gladly take that risk because of how much it's worth to them of having their child. And so love is that same thing. So breakups are very painful, very, very painful. Um, But I hope that does not deter anyone from entering into loving relationships and to be afraid to love deeply because they're afraid that if they love more deeply, it'll hurt more. I hope they will still love, be wise with how they um, choose their relationships, but not be afraid to give that love to someone. And if their relationship does end, they're grateful for what they went through We'll learn from it and we'll someday love again. All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thank you again to Susie Khatami for joining me to talk about the Radio Hamra Mattel Children's Hospital toy drive. Thank you to Amir here in the studio and everyone listening out there. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi al Have a wonderful night.